Welcome to this bonus episode of Sound Opinions. I am Greg Cott. My co-host is Jim DeRogatis. Members of our Patreon community are the first to hear these bonus podcasts and ad-free to boot. Go to patreon.com slash soundopinions to join. We've been doing a lot of obituary tributes lately, and sadly, we have another one today. This time, it's film director Peter Bogdanovich. He died on January 6th at age 82 from complications related to Parkinson's disease. And uh, now you may be thinking, well, what exactly does Bogdanovich have to do with music? What does he have to do with music, (laughs) Greg? Indeed. Of course, uh, he and his partner, Polly Platt, made three timeless films in the 70s, including The Last Picture Show. But it was in 2007 when Bogdanovich directed the Tom Petty documentary, Running Down a Dream. And that's why we interviewed him for Sound Opinions. Yeah, and it was a great conversation, an interesting interview about uh, an incredible musician, Tom Petty, who we lost a few years ago, uh, we're going to share that conversation in the bonus episode. I don't think uh, Sound Opinions can ever get enough Tom Petty, Greg. It is funny to listen back and hear us talk about how Ben Montench (laughs) never does interviews. And um, he was following us on Twitter. We finally got him to come on the show in 2017, episode 602. He was thrilled to chat with us. Mm -hmm. In fact, we we might want to revisit Ben Mont again. Um, We should also note that in addition to Peter Bogdanovich, uh, Woodstock impresario Michael Lang died over the weekend as well. You may have heard his name on the show recently in our Woodstock 99 episode and in the bonus uh, episode on Karen Dalton. Uh, He certainly had a big impact on the music industry. We can debate whether it was for good or not. Uh, You know, Woodstock 69, yeah, cultural touchstone, but uh, it succeeded. uh, Really, no thanks to him. (laughs) You you see that in the documentary. I think he was well-intentioned, but he was inept at uh, promoting a concert. You know, and and so then they let him do it twice uh, afterwards. Um, My old buddy David Prince just sent me a picture uh, with Lang being in the headlines of the two of us uh, trying to smile uh, amid the mud and misery of Woodstock 94, a horrible experience. And as you and I said when we talked about the Woodstock 99 doc, that was a disaster. People were seriously hurt, and uh, he should have never been allowed to put another concert (laughs) on after that. And he he really didn't. There was talk about more Woodstock. You know, and it also presaged this era of branding. Mm-hmm. Right? Lollapalooza, great idea when Perry Farrell originally has it, right. traveling day-long mix of music and genres and multimedia, you know, and the circus and everything else. And then it becomes, quote, according to the current owners of the name, the most recognized brand in uh, live entertainment. Well, for better Ugh. or worse, um, you know, we have, the, we have Lang to thank or not for the whole idea of a festival circuit in the United States. Um, you know, it started really with... Uh, uh, Woodstock, although he had done one a year earlier in Miami, a much smaller scale, and uh, you know, mushroomed into a cottage industry over the last few decades, um, and not necessarily for the better. Well, that's our thoughts on Michael Lang. When we come back after a quick break, we're going to hear that interview with Peter Bogdanovich, originally aired in 2008, talking about his Tom Petty doc. We're back. Here we are with Peter Bogdanovich in our interview from 14 years ago.
That's Running Down a Dream from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, the title song, as it were, from a four-hour documentary that has been airing on the Sundance channel in recent months and is now out on DVD. A four-hour documentary about the career and life of Tom Petty and his band, the Heartbreakers. Directed by no slouch in the directing department, Peter Bogdanovich, Oscar-winning director, who uh, broke through in the early 70s with a movie called The Last Picture Show, one of the most acclaimed uh, Hollywood movies ever. Uh, he also directed The Mask with Cher in it in the mid-'80s. Got a long history in Hollywood, got a long history as a documentarian and a journalist. Well, and people probably know him recently from appearing on The Sopranos. Absolutely. As the shrinks shrink. <laughs> We've got uh, Peter Bogdanovich on the phone from his hotel room in New York City. Welcome to Sound Opinions, Peter. Thank you. Peter, you have done a four-hour documentary on Tom Petty, Running Down a Dream, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. It's airing on the Sundance Channel. It is out in DVD. You are a man who picks big subjects. You have done major work on people like Orson Welles. You've written a book about Orson Welles. You've written a book and done a documentary on John Ford. Tom Petty, does he fit into that pantheon of, of great men, great artists in American history? Obviously, he does for you. Yeah, well, that was what interested me about him. I think he's a very talented, gifted brilliant uh, American artist and I approached the documentary with that point of view. Yeah, when did, when did you become a fan? I mean, what was it about Petty that interested I, I, you? I, I, I didn't become a fan until I did this movie. Really? I'd heard a couple of songs but I didn't know much about him, which is one of the reasons that interested me because, I mean, I knew he was good and they Tom liked my movies and wanted to meet me and was interested in having me do this. Mm-hmm. So we met in November of '05, and um, we got we struck a we, we we hit it off very well immediately, and that was the beginning of it. You know, I just th- thought he was so American in a, in the best possible sense. It was really a a native American artist with with a sense of Americana that was very acute. I thought it's it's interesting, Peter, because I think what we what you see with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And the more you watch your uh, documentary, you, you realize this. This band has had a 30-year run. And, and it's not like they're the Rolling Stones, where it's this multi-million dollar mega corporation. I mean, the, the Heartbreakers, are, I suppose, are a corporation in their own right. But what this is really is a story of a working American rock and roll band and, and the rarity of being able to hang together. It's, it's almost like peeling back the curtain, and how does a band work, and how does it stay together for that length of time? I mean, is that how, how you started seeing the story? Because that's the way I see your, your movie, in a way. Yes, it is. It's very, it's very much the story. You know, I determined right away, right from the first meeting, that Tom, I'd like Tom to tell the story. I found him very charismatic in a, in a non-show dog kind of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sort of a, reminded me of... Not not specifically, but he reminded me of somebody like Gary Cooper, somewhat laconic, laid mm. back, the epitome of cool actually, mm-hmm. and very and quintessentially American, Southern American too. As you know, the South is a font of extraordinary writers, from Mark Twain and um, Thomas Wolfe and William Faulkner and Tom, and um, Truman Capote. I mean, the Tennessee Williams is an amazing. All the most of the great American writers somehow come from the South, and I think there's something about the South that just sets it apart. And um, Tom is very much a representative of that. So 
I decided early on that I wanted we weren't going to have a narrator. We we're going to have Tom tell the story, and of course the band, and the people around him. So we interviewed about twenty-eight people. Yeah, you do you do a very thorough job of uh, journalism, and and uh, Peter, you are a, a great journalist. You've done some amazing work as a journalist even before you were a, a director. Thank you. Uh, and it shows in this in this documentary. The thing that I'm intrigued about is you got Ben Montench to talk. In <laughs> I mean, what an amazing feat. I mean, he's a great guy. He, he has refused interviews up and down. I've tried to talk to him for 20 years. Really? Yeah, how did you get him to talk? I mean, he's not a guy who doesn't... He, he just routinely says, well, I, I'm sorry, I just don't do them. Well, I mean, the whole band agreed to do interviews for the movie. That was just became a given. And the only person who... Former band member who didn't agree to be interviewed is the the ex-drummer, Stan Lynch. Mm-hmm. But we had interviews with him in the archives, that, <clears throat> in, in Tom's uh, archive, that um, we, we were able to use, so he's very much a part of the movie. I think the fact that I was asking the questions, it was very important to me that I do the interviews and that I ask the questions, even though in many cases the producer, uh, George Draculius, who's a record producer and who had the idea to put us together, Tom and me, mm-hmm. George would pet, would slip me questions as we as we were doing the interview. When it got to certain something that there was an interesting tangent or something a nuance that I wasn't aware of, he would pass it to pass me a note. But it was very important to me that the interviewees were talking to me when it was happening, mm-hmm. because uh, I bring a certain baggage into the room, and uh, I felt that they'd be more honest and more straightforward with me than they would with somebody else. No, it's true. I thought that was a failing in Scorsese's documentary with Dylan, is that he never sat down and interviewed Dylan himself. Yeah. Not to diss another director. (laughs) (laughs) But Peter, you know, it's a four-hour film, and it sucks you right through. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like it's that long, both both on Sundance and on, on DVD. Well, that's a big compliment. I'm glad. That was what we were trying to do. At a certain point in in the process, we realized that it was going to be long. I mean, I knew it was going to be, it couldn't be short because we're dealing with 30 years. In fact, you you mentioned the Scorsese-Dylan picture, and Marty took three hours and 40 minutes to tell six years of Dylan. And Mm -hmm. uh, I figured if if that's the case, well, why why shouldn't we take four hours to tell 30 years of Tom Petty? Well, now, he's really a self-effacing character, uh, Tom Petty. Greg and I have both interviewed him any number of times. He's always most loquacious when he's telling stories about other people. He's always wanting to tell us George Harrison stories, which are very funny. But (laughs) was there a point where he said to you, he started this ball rolling, but was there a point where he said to you, I don't know if I want this much of me up there on that screen. There were certain areas that that took a little pushing to keep them going. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's two uh, kind of key revelations for me about this movie. One was you got into these issues about his upbringing, his his relationship with his father specifically, yeah, as being fuel for his artistic freedom. There was an extreme rage in me that from time to time would show its head through a lot of my life. Any sort of injustice just outraged me. I just couldn't contain myself. And this comes from from my dad just being so incredibly verbally abusive to me. And uh, he was certainly physically abusive at times. He would uh, give me pretty good beatings most of my life. How did that sort of emerge that that childhood really shaped him 
and he played rock and roll, and it, rock and roll really did save this kid's life. Yeah, that's true. Well, I we 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 had glimmers of it for in the interviews with Tom. He he made certain references to his dad and the situation he was in and the difficult childhood, but he didn't get into details. But other people did. His brother told me about it, and his daughter mentioned it. So. I toward the when once I once I felt that Tom really trusted me. I pushed him to tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we because we didn't do all our interviews in one lump. We we did them over a period of months. You know, one other extraordinary scene in the movie I thought was the scene from the early '90s where Petty is in a recording studio, it looks like, with Roger McGuinn, one of his heroes, the, yes. the founder of the Birds. And there's a record company guy there trying to get Roger to uh, record a certain song, and Petty's looking at the song and going, what is this crap? The A&R guy, the guy from the record company, seemed awfully young to me. That I, I don't think he understood, you know, the depth of the artist he was working with. Sorry, Roger. No, I, I, I appreciate it, I just it, can't hold it in any longer, because I, I love you so I, much. I love I you, man. You, you, you do, around, you're you know? doing what you do, and that's great. No, we're not trying to f- him around. I know you're not trying to f- him around, but you are if you make him do this song. Because sometimes the commercial road, you know, like thinking that that's the road to take isn't always the road to take. Sometimes it's doing stuff from your heart and being really honest with people works much better. Well, let's change some lyrics. Well, why don't you just give him a song? I'm just curious how you came across that piece of uh, film footage. Well, that was interesting. We were interviewing Roger and um, Roger brought it up. He says, we've got this, you know, this confrontation that happened and somebody shot it and Roger had a copy of it. Tom didn't have a copy of it, but Roger did. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anything about it till Roger brought it up. And I thought it was a perfect example of, you know, Tom, Tom's integrity and, and the steadfastness in the face of authority. <laughs> yeah. He was going to stand, he wasn't going to back down from his opinion that it was a lousy song that this guy shouldn't be singing it. It's one of the highlights of the movie. In fact, in a couple of screenings I've been with audiences where we had, you know, 400 people or something. There were a lot of considerable cheering in that section. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and so on. Particularly the, particularly the screening we had in L.A. where it was a lot of industry people. Oh, Petty's a guy who put his money where his mouth is, fought with his record company to charge consumers less. We've been talking to Peter Bogdanovich, director of Running Down a Dream, the extraordinary new Tom Petty film. Peter, I think we're remiss if we let you go. As a fellow rock fan, as a film great on your own, if we didn't ask you, what's your favorite rock movie of all time? <laughs> we had Roger Ebert on the show. We did this once. And, I mean, Greg and I can talk about this forever. We're just fans of the genre. But obviously, you went into this making this rock documentary, and every documentarian in this field that I've talked to has always said, I didn't want to make a rockumentary. Few of them succeed in making a film that transcends that. Well, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I looked at a lot of the documentaries that have been made, and not, I didn't want to make one like them. What I wanted to do was an image, a vision that I had right after Tom and I talked, right as I was beginning to work on it. I said I wanted a movie where we had a lot of people talking, but we didn't sit on their faces for very long. I didn't want a lot of talking heads cross-cutting. I wanted to have a lot of images I wanted the talking heads not to be talking heads so much as narrators. I mm. wanted the story to I wanted it to be more of a movie mm-hmm. where you could follow the story visually. So I had this vision of what the movie should be like. I wish I could say it was easy to achieve that goal. It was a really twisting, turning, st- 
uh, road to get to where we got, but it did turn out the way I imagined it would. But I, uh, there were many times along the year and a half, almost two years that we spent on it, where I thought, I don't know how we're going to get to this place. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it was it was it was hard, you know. Well, it did. It absolutely works. Thank you, Peter, for uh, sharing some time with us. I also have to say, as a guy who grew up in Jersey City and Hoboken, man, The Sopranos, you were great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You're very kind. That's it for this bonus episode. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program belong solely to Sound Opinions and not necessarily to Columbia College Chicago or our sponsors. As always, Sound Opinions is produced by Andrew Gill, Alex Claiborne, our associate producer, Sol Delgadillo, and our intern, Mary Bernthal. Our social media consultant is Katie Cott.